Hi there, welcome and thank you for tuning in. My name is Jason Shoulder and this is Learning to Fail. My guest today is Carrie Goff. Carrie is the glue that holds the Asheville comedy community together. He runs the Disclaimer Lounge Open Mic, which is every Wednesday at 9.30. He's been doing that for going on 10 years at this point. And this interview is about two years old, so a lot of things have changed since then, and I'll get to that later, and some of it in the epilogue. There's a couple of sections to this. I hope you listen to all of them because they're great, sweet stories. And But uh, he's amazing. Um, I He's a really good host. He's a really good comic. He's a really good person. He really cares about the Asheville comedy community, and he really understands it. And I've had some ideas and visions and opinions, and he kind of let me see a different angle on it, which I really appreciated. And the more I think about it, much as I hate to admit it, I think he's right. I think he understands what this town needs. He understands what how it organically grew to be what it is. And as long as he's around, I think we're going to have something really special. Uh, the, the Wednesday open mic is where all the comics go every week to do their thing, to try something new or to, you know, just have a great set in front of a real crowd. I mean, most cities, people don't know this, but most cities, if you're in a big city and you go to an open mic, it's just other comics and they hate every minute that they are not on stage. So they're just there to do their material and they're doing it for another bunch of comics who don't want to hear it. And it's brutal. But in Asheville, we have real audience members. I mean, Kerry and his friends have built this weekly show to be something that people come to. Some people come every week. We have people who, like different groups of people who come. We have, we have, uh, we have bachelorette parties who show up. We have people who come here for date night. I mean, it's, it's a real comedy show. It just happens to be an open mic. So the audience doesn't know what they're going to get. Sometimes there's 30 to 35 comics. The thing goes till one in the morning. And by the end, everyone's sick of it. But they can't wait to come back next week and do it all over again. And it's an event I've hosted a bunch of times. I'm actually hosting it in a couple of weeks. I was hosting it a couple of weeks after we made this interview, but that was two years ago. And uh, But I'm hosting again. I think it's about a month from now. And I just, I love this event. I love Carrie. And I love being a part of the Asheville comedy community. This this is the guy who holds it all together, and without him, I just can't really imagine what it would be like. So we're lucky to have him. I was lucky to get this interview with him, and as you'll see, he's extremely naturally funny, and it took me a minute to realize when he was joking. But by the end, we were on the same page and riffing and improving and having a blast, and I hope you enjoy this interview as much as I did. In fact, I hope you enjoy all of my interviews as much as I do. In fact, I hope you enjoy these interviews so much that you are inspired to go to learningtofail.com and click on our donate page and send us some money so that we can continue to do this and my daughter can still go to college. That's really what this is about. It's between me doing interviews with people so that you can enjoy them or my daughter having an education and a life and a future. So if you care about my daughter, you will go to the donate page and you will send money. And you can even send a note that says, Jason, we're not supporting you. We're not supporting your podcast. We're supporting your daughter. And this is how we're doing it. So really, please take this money and put it in our college fund and continue to spend your own money on the podcast. That's fine. I will accept that. And I will tell you that that's what I did with the money. And you can choose to believe that or not. But really, truly, I just appreciate you listening. That's the most important thing. Just keep listening, keep sharing, keep supporting, like, subscribe, tell your friends to listen to Learning to Fail. 
Share it wherever you can. And if you could, if you haven't already, go onto iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts and rate and review us. There's really nothing more valuable than getting good, strong ratings on all the podcast platforms. So please take a moment to do that and then come back and listen to and love my interview with the glue that holds the Asheville comedy community together, Carrie Goff. Uh, that one I did not. The realistic stuff in the house belongs, well, I mean, I own it, but it's um, made by artists I used to represent when I lived in L.A. Okay. Um, the round ones, the very abstract ones, those are mine. Well, those are good. I like those. Thank you. Yeah. I, uh, what are those? Like pizza trays? Yeah, they're pizza trays. <laughs> I used to work in this pizza you're, place. You're like the preeminent pizza tray artist? Yeah, they didn't pay me enough, so I just would like steal pizza trays and then paint on them and try to sub- supplement my living. <laughs> But that's nice. It looks uh, good, man. Yeah, no, they're plywood discs, and then I mount them in a way that they hang off the wall. And then uh, I actually, at one point, the last thing I was doing before I quit painting was I was bolting them together and making these three-dimensional pieces. And then people were like, "You should light those from behind." And I was like, "Ah, that sounds really complicated." But yeah, you know, if you I could, knew somebody, pay someone to if do I'd that known Doctor Neon, do you remember him? Did you ever meet him? No, he's Dr. Neon. Oh, he was just, I mean, he's, I think he still is alive. I don't know. He takes such bad care of himself. You never know when it's Dr. Neon's last day, but he lived in West Asheville in that converted church, like right above the brewery. And he did this, did this amazing stuff. He was, you know, according to himself, one of the first people to put neon on motorcycles. Okay. And that's the name, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the name. Yeah. Uh, he's in a phenomenal. And he's a doctor? Well, no. <laughs> of neon. He's a PhD <laughs> in neon placement. Yeah, he uh he sort of you know um American Chopper and all the Orange yeah. County. He's he's like legitimately one of those people. Um and he would talk about how those guys all ripped him off in terms of like his putting neon on things. Well, not just that, but just that like he was the originator this is according. This is his story, so um, just that he was the originator of a lot of that kind of stuff, and he's he's like the real deal. Those guys like act all tough and badass, but he's actually is kind of, you know, there were people who would show up on his property with guns, and there were fights, and it was like it was always fucking gnarly up there. Like I would go there all the time, and he was also super nice, like heart of gold, but you know, nasty as a motherfucker, like. Just so if he liked you, it was nice. If he didn't, he if he didn't like you, mean. you you wouldn't be there because you just weren't welcome. So if you were there, he liked you, but he just wasn't. He's just not a normal guy. You know, I mean, he's yeah. like he's just he's very intense, and um, you know, when you I, gotta be when you're putting neon on stuff. You can't fuck around, dude. <laughs> you know, it's a high intensity. It could job. explode. I don't know yeah. anything about neon. Dude. Neon all over the place. Have you? You sound like an expert, but I can't tell. Yeah, I've neon some stuff. Have you really? Like my jeans. Yeah. <laughs> and they didn't explode? Nah, they exploded. <laughs> so I put sparkles and I bejeweled them too. I'm you, a big bejeweler. You are, know? You, are you a bedazzler? That's, yeah, I bedazzle my bike. Yeah. <laughs> Is this your bicycle? Like, yeah, I just have yeah, I can't can't ride a motorcycle. On it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they call me Dr. Bejeweled. <laughs> Dr. Bedazzle. Dr. Bedazzle. And I do it with jazz hands. <laughs> So I'm very similar to this guy. I feel like a kinship. Yeah, know? no, and you're a total badass, and you're like always fighting <laughs> oh, yeah. people. You're always like, getting in fights. Yeah. You know how I am. 
That's kind of how I view all motorcycle guys, really. Like, I see them out on the parkway, and they look all badass, but I'm like, I bet that guy's a dentist, you know? like <laughs> A lot of them. Yeah, yeah, it seems like 90%, but you don't know. Occasionally, you'll see one that will actually stab you in the throat, and it's hard to tell. It is you know? hard to tell, man. I think the nicer the bike, the more likely of a weekend warrior they are. Yeah. Like, you know, if they have time to shine the chrome like that, they're probably... Yeah, they don't have time to kill people, you know? Yeah, no. Killing people takes time. You know, your bike suffers, you know, because you're too busy <laughs> selling meth and killing people. You know, you don't care if your muffler shines, you know? <laughs> it's really a time management issue. Yeah, really. <laughs> I'm surprised that guy found time to put me on on stuff, you know? Uh, yeah, I don't know, like, what his story was, but I know that when he moved away from Asheville, he sold this incredible property, which had I known how cheap he was selling it, I would have found a way to buy it. And even though I would have had to have the place saged because, I mean, it just needed to be deloused after he was there for all <laughs> that time. Find the bodies. Yeah, seriously, man. It's like he actually had one of those hidden rooms in his house. Like you t- you push a bookcase and it reveals a whole oh, other room. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. No, he was he's an amazing character. And, you know, it's like I totally trust him and... I think if you don't cross him, he'd be there for you come hell or high water. And hell or high water follows him everywhere. All right. You know, he, he bought this house. He moved from here to San Diego. And he bought this house on the top of a mountain, the very, very top of a mountain. I didn't even know these mountains existed, these hills. He found this house. It's this crazy, weird, like all the, all the arches are too low to walk through. Like it's this, it's almost like a cave of a house with a pool. And he said within a few months of living there, um, immigration was, you know, all the, the trucks and everything like showed up on his property chasing some Mexicans on foot who were fleeing the immigration officers. Like, I, that just shit, that doesn't happen to most people. And it somehow yeah, found him. Yeah, I haven't heard it happening to anyone. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's a little more common in San Diego than North Carolina. But, I mean, honestly, I couldn't find his neighborhood with a GPS. Like, I don't know how these guys ended up on the top of his hill and you know how <laughs> cops were chasing after them on his property and it's just somehow drama just follows him everywhere you know and anyway but he's a good guy and uh i kind of miss him because he was always when i needed just a little douse of chaos in my life i could go see him and it would happen yeah that sounds cool yeah yeah he was cool no yeah. any body like that in my life oh dude if, if like, he was here i would fully introduce you you would love it i used to bring people over that i brought my mom over there and he's like hit on her you know <laughs> and she loves him because you know she's like at times she was like 70 she's like he's so charming i'm like yeah what if he had hooked up with your mom oh, would dude, that have changed things that would have yeah i might have been the you go over to her house and she gun. walks out like in night clothes <laughs> oh hi jason looking like uncommonly happy like for the f- happier than i've ever seen her <laughs> she's got like neon all over you know <laughs> you had to reevaluate that relationship oh right my there God, yeah is that what she meant by exploding dr neon exploding all over oh, like, look at you with my the poor mom my mom listens entendre. to this she's gonna, be, she's gonna be the first person listening to this podcast i'm so no. sorry mom. hey miss shoulder <laughs> <laughs> Believe it or not, yeah. Mom, I'm sitting Let here. us know the secrets. You should have her interviewed. Can, I'm going to. She's going to be here, and I'm probably going to try and sit down with her and do an interview. Ask her about that. What yeah, ask her. What are, what, do you, do you still you ever hook Dr. up Dion? with the doctor? <laughs> uh, I don't think she'd do that because she's married, but uh, man, I almost wish she would. 
It's another story, man. It's another story, dude. That would be that would be one for the books for sure. But he's a character, man. He's so funny. He like went to Burning Man. He's like, those people are full of shit. Like Burning Man wasn't intense enough for him. And for most people, Burning Man is like maximum level intensity of what they can handle. And uh, for him, he just was like, ah, these guys are pussies. (laughs) I could see both sides, you know? Oh, yeah, totally. Because, I don't know, it looks fun, but also really silly and stupid at the same time, you know? I mean, I went to Burning Man once. Um, Were you you there the very first time ever went on stage? Or was it the Orange Peel? I don't remember. Okay, yeah. I don't don't remember. I don't remember you, but I don't remember much. Um, I was just so focused on my five minutes. But anyway, I told this Burning Man story. And, um, so I went to Burning Man about, uh, I think it was 1996. So this, I mean, that's like over 20 years ago now, right? Yeah. And it's before, it was before it became the monstrosity that it is now. It was always crazy, but it wasn't what it is now. And I just remember that I got there, I went there with some friends from college. Uh, we took mushrooms within minutes of getting there and, I and then you know it's one of the things where like they weren't coming on they, and then they finally did come on and, and when they really hit me was when we were backstage behind what was going to be a naked presentation of Dante's Inferno and my my roommate at the that time, sounds pretentious enough to be the Burning Man oh my you god that's totally yeah. what I see let's do drugs and pretentious stuff at the same time yeah that's it was. <laughs> I don't know how many drugs they were doing, but they were all, all I know is my, Travis was like, dude, what should we do? I was like, well, there's a bunch of naked people over there. Let's go stand by them. Like that was as far as I could plan. Oh, ahead. they're doing Dante's Inferno. What is this school? <laughs> <laughs> Boring. I don't know. Whatever. How was it? How was the production of naked Dante's Inferno? Well, I'll, I was a little distracted by the, what I'm about to tell you. That okay. Pre- all right. Sorry. Me. All right. No, 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 continue. Don't, continue. Don't apologize. No. And um, so we're standing behind. Was it ball sack? Was it? It wasn't ball sack. Okay. It was close. Uh, <laughs> we were um, we were standing behind. We were kind of looking, and, and I made contact with this just drop dead beautiful woman who was dressed head to toe in leather and like black leather, black wings, black eyeliner, a black halo. Everything on her was black, and she was. I mean, it was a beautiful outfit, but you know, the only things that weren't covered were the things that we've taught our daughter to call her bathing suit parts, you okay. know, All right. and everything else was like cleverly wrapped. And I just like fell in love with her on site. And, uh, and my roommate was like, dude, what are you? He, he looked at me like just locked eyes on this one. He's like, what are you doing? I was like, she's fucking hot, man. And so she came over to me and I was like, Oh my God, it's so on. And she whispered in my ear, and she kind of circled around me and like brushed up against me, you know, and, and uh, she said, I bet you didn't know you were going to have your soul sucked by Satan tonight. <laughs> and I was, you know, the mushrooms were just starting to like, I'm like, I figured blowjob. Like, that's what I thought was going to happen for me. And I was like, Burning Man's the greatest, you know, <laughs> that's where my head was. I was like, I love Burning Man. And uh, so she got around to the other side of me. She's like, bend over. And I don't know why, but I just did. And next thing I knew, my ass was killing me. And I turn around and she's standing there with a bullwhip that she'd pulled out of her boot. And she had whipped me in front of a cr- what turned out to be a crowd of like 40 people who were circled around watching. Holy crap. And, yeah, whole, yeah, dude. We were the only people not naked. 
And I now know after talking to people at Burning Man, like we were what they call tourists. Okay. And so she fucking saw us. I mean, it was the equivalent of getting mugged on, you know, on the Strand or something like that. You know, it's like yeah. Atlantic City with the boardwalk, you know. It's like we stood out so much more than we realized. Yeah. And uh, so in the, in thinking about it, we were total marks, you know. It was just so obvious. But we didn't know, you know. So you were kind of like the freaks of Burning Man. Yes. Right. Which is kind of like you were more freaky than they were. Like, you were not going to fit in. You can get naked and be one of them and normal. You'd be a normie being naked. Yeah. Yeah. Instead, you were normal, so you were a freak. That's kind of funny. Yeah, we were like, (laughs) we just stood out, you know. But I think they're used to people like us. And it's like, I think think there's some, and this is total projection because I'm not like in on the Burning Man vibe. But I think there's probably some like notch on a belt somewhere to fucking with new people and trying to break them out of their shell and turn them into burners. And I think this was the, you know, she took my burning man virginity with this act of <laughs> massive. Well, I mean, the question so, is, did, did you, did she suck your soul later? Oh no, that was it. Ah, that was all right. And, and, and so, and yeah, no. So then we were watching Dante's Inferno and every once in a while I would just feel how much my ass hurt, you know? And I was like, fuck that. She really fucking whipped me with that thing. Like she tagged me. I don't know how people are into that, by the way. Like, that shit hurts. Well, it's just pain. I don't know. It you was just, a lot of pain. like, yeah. pain if you like getting the shit beat out of you. you yeah. Know? She just, it was just one one whack with that whip, but she, she was really good with it. <laughs> and, uh, and so I spent the next hour, you know, tripping, feeling like, oh my God, I actually sold my, I was willing to sell my soul for that, you know? Yeah. And I wonder if I did. You know, then I was like, have I actually <laughs> sold my soul to Satan? Like, I was totally convinced. Like, so I couldn't really enjoy, if there's such a thing, Dante's Inferno, because I was obsessed with the fact that I might have actually sold my soul to the devil for the possibility of, you know, what probably would have been only a few minutes with, with, <laughs> with this woman. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. So, So I told that story when I went on stage the first time. And I filmed it, and then I was like, I don't think I want this out there. Of course, now it's about to be out there, but uh, <laughs> but I just was like, I don't think I want it out there as a as my. Well, stand-up. how did the bit do? How did it? It did okay. All right, yeah, it did okay. Okay. I mean, I you know, and I wrote some some beats into it and some punchlines into it that I didn't you know do in this conversation because I'm trying to talk to you, not be you know. I hate it when people are like, oh, yeah, when they mix their routine into a conversation. Uh, So I added some pieces that, you know, worked more or less. And I think if I actually wanted to spend time refining that bit and maybe when I stop being also a yoga teacher and yoga product inventor, maybe I'll bring Burning Man story back. So you feel like you're limited, like you don't want your clientele to know that you got ass raped by a whip at Burning Man. <laughs> well, I didn't want them to know. Now, if any of them are listening... But buy my products. <laughs> Just, you know, you got to go. I, I learned a lot from that experience, and it goes into your product. <laughs> I absorbed pain so you wouldn't have to. <laughs> yes, see? This product was inspired by being on mushrooms at Burning Man and getting whipped in the ass. <laughs> I was like, I never want to feel that way again. I want to feel this way. Maybe that's why you do yoga. Just like, <laughs> trying to gotta over- forget gotta forget <laughs> <laughs> that's my mantra gotta forget gotta forget <laughs> do i have a soul i don't know 
<laughs> Do you ever watch Malcolm in the Middle? Remember that show? I have never once. Ah, uh, it's a great show. But one of my favorite episodes is they went to Burning Man as a family, oh and they God. went in an RV. <laughs> and uh, the dad, he was he was the guy in Breaking Bad. He's the guy in Breaking oh, Bad. God, yeah, he's yeah. so funny. Just and they they idea. pull up in this RV and total outsiders. And they're so outsiders that everyone at Burning Man thinks it's like an exhibit or an art show. <laughs> and they're just gathering around going, oh my God, this is brilliant. And he's like, get away from my RV. And they're like, that guy is totally in character. It's like the funniest one, yeah. Oh, that's perfect. That's brilliantly done. Yeah, yeah it's a really good show. Uh, I'll have to watch it. I never watched it. I, maybe, like, what age group is it for? It's for everyone, really. I mean, But I mean, how young can people watch it and it's still appropriate? You can watch it any age. Okay, so yeah. my daughter. I mean, it was for be. TV. Okay, you know, yeah. I can't remember which channel it was on, but it was well, mainstream sure TV. Netflix, yeah. yeah, it was for mainstream TV. So, okay. but I don't know. It was just really funny. I liked it, but I remember that episode. Where no, they no, just show sounds, up in an RV. I love it. I think it ends up burning down or something. Oh yeah, and the, this kid, almost like you, like he falls in love with this one lady. And she goes them through, takes him through a like a bir- rebirth experience where they go through all these like uh-huh. people that are like oiled down, like they're giving birth again. I don't know. You'd like it. You probably relate to it, dude. I took among other <clears throat> things at Burning Man. Uh, I took a naked mud bath with a bunch of people. Like they, they had these showers, and then they just let the runoff go into the soil, and it created this mud pile. And people were just rolling around in the mud, and somebody was like butt slide i thought they said mud slide but it was butt slide so a bunch of people laid down on their stomachs in the mud head to toe and then you'd cover yourself in mud and get a running start and just slide across them and i fucking did that shit you know i don't like oh my god you know like and uh people shower runoff water yeah oh dude that's the least disgusting part of this story <laughs> i mean that was the cl- that was the cleanest part oh, of man. that mud I mean, you know, that was the first time I saw genital piercings and all this kind of stuff. I was just like, you know, and, and I remember one guy next to me was like, I wonder how many of those people have herpes, you know, and then just across them. it was, yeah, Burning Man is fucking crazy. And I haven't been back. Like I was honestly traumatized. I've had no desire to go back since then. And it just seems like a big effort to get out there and then. People who go, it's their life, man. It's like they look forward to it all year. They plan it all year. They have villages. They like they're I mean, there are plenty of people who don't do that, but a lot of people really do. Like this is their big thing that they put all their creativity into every year. Yeah. Well, everybody's got to have a thing. Yeah. Some people knit. (laughs) Other people eat mushrooms, (laughs) slide and shower, run off water. (laughs) <laughs> to each their own you know yeah i know everyone's got their thing i know when i finally got in the shower and there was a long line for it we were next to these two like i was about 26 at the time we were next to these two 18 year old gorgeous girls who were sort of experimenting with their sexuality what what blair nyes would call bar sexual you know okay like they get get a few drinks in them and they think they're bisexual but they're just bar sexual that's blair's joke and <laughs> And uh, so they were like shaving each other and all this stuff right there in the showers. They were shaving, really? I think so. Yeah, it was. It was pretty. Like maybe I don't know. Maybe I don't. I maybe that I added, <laughs> but it seemed like it. <laughs> they were definitely soaping each other down, and it That's was and it your was your imagination. Very, like yeah, all these in my two head, girls. they were shaving each other. They were shaving and grooming. <laughs> A lot of grooming. 
flossing. I saw flossing. I didn't see They're any. flossing each other. It's super hot. I, well, I remember this. I do remember was that it had like Dr. Bronner's soap. And they're like, oh, yeah, you can use this for anything. You can brush your teeth with it. And I'm like, you're not brushing my teeth with soap. Like, But they were like, yeah, you can do anything with it. I've heard that bottle. about Dr. Bronner's. Yeah. You look yeah. at the label. It's like all the applications. <laughs> and they have scripture on the side of them. Do they? Yeah. Have you read the bottles? No. Yeah. I, I, it's like super religious. Is it really? Yeah. There's like, next time you see it, there's, if it's the soap I'm ta- thinking about, there's like scripture and all these like words on the side that, yeah. Oh, that's so funny. I'll have to look because I, I exclusively use Dr. Bronner's. Yeah, look on, the, look on the bottle. I'm pretty sure that's the one. Oh, man. That's so funny. I hope it's not scripture that's going to make me sorry I've been debating Nah, it. I don't think so. It's a good company. It seems yeah. Like, yeah. Um, it seems, yeah, it's not like, you know, condemning kind of scripture. Right. But it is there. It you is know? there. That's funny. Yeah. That's good stuff, though, you know. It'll help you get your soul back, dude. <laughs> I've been like washing and doctor. Rub it on your ass where you since. got whipped. <laughs> Just hoping, like, can I please get my soul back? How much of this soap is it gonna take? <laughs> Just takes a dab, man. A little dab of Bronner, she'll be all right. Uh, have you sold your soul? That should be their ad. Did you sell your soul to Satan to us? <laughs> to a dominatrix at Burning Man. <laughs> Do you need to watch the scum of Burning Man off your soul? <laughs> There's nothing that can do it but Dr. Bronner's. This, that's where we come in. Yeah. Just a, a dollop. <laughs> Just Four a dollop of, of Bronner's. Four out of five ministers recommend Dr. Bronner's over, over other soul washing soaps. <laughs> yeah, man. It's good stuff. Uh, is, you yeah, can brush your teeth. You're onto something for sure. You, you can't drink it, though. Well, maybe you can. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. That would be like. A whole you should give it a swig. And see. I'm not going to be the one to test that. <laughs> Tastes like peppermint. Yeah. <laughs> That's intense stuff, man. Yeah, no, it is. So, <laughs> well, <laughs> welcome to the podcast. Oh, uh, we started. <laughs> oh yeah, we've been going the whole time. Are you kidding me? Uh, this is priceless. Um, yeah, we got some good. Good uh, info about you out there now in the world. Oh, dude. It's <laughs> what else happened? At Burning Man? That's about it. We sucked down a lot of dust. Um, I remember biking away from the crowd the first night and being like, oh, man, the air is so fresh out here. It's so beautiful. And then looking back and seeing just the dust that had been kicked up from all the people that we didn't realize we were breathing. Oh, yeah. But you were in just a dust cloud. That's awful. Um, it's a weird crazy ass thing burning man i can only imagine yeah yeah Yeah. well did you ever go to transformist or whatever that thing no i just got hammered with my friends (laughs) (laughs) i've had burning man like experiences that were not organized you know you're like i don't need that kind of group activity shit man yeah but no i've never i don't know never been to anything like that i would go i guess if it was easy like I don't feel like driving all the way out there or having to buy tickets or any of that crap. Yeah. If someone said, I'll take you to Burning Man, hop on this plane, we'll land right there and you can get off, then I'll be like, okay, I'll do that. A friend of mine did that. He, at one point, he had his pilot's license and he had a small, like, you know, two or four person plane and he and his girlfriend flew into Burning Man. They They have a full landing strip in there. They flew into Burning Man, hung out all day and then they'd fly out and go to a hotel and get an actual night's sleep. 
and then fly back in the next day. There's people who do that. Like Burning That's Man has awesome. Yeah, they have. I would do that. You would do that. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. That would be the way to. I do mean, it. who wouldn't? <laughs> you mean I can fly in and out of a giant party? <laughs> yeah, I'll do it's that. pretty crazy that that's possible, right? Like, yeah, it's a giant desert. You can do where the hell you want, right? I know. Yeah, it's just like it just amazes me that it it fascinates me that there's people living such different levels of life and like simultaneously and in the same place. That's nuts. I mean, you got people who save up all year to buy a Burning Man ticket, and other people who pop in and out on their plane, and they're all at the same party. Yeah. And uh, probably, you know, banging some of the same women. Like, they're just... Yeah, I you know, imagine so, it's a varied mix out yeah. there. You oh, know? man, it's... Yeah, it's it's crazy. Yeah. So, it's part of this whole generation that I just do not feel connected to. Like, this, this like whole, an entire generation of people? Like Yeah, the one that's out there now. Like, the 20, like younger or... Younger, yeah, okay. mostly younger, yeah. Well, I don't know that I feel particularly connected to my generation either, but... Um, yeah, I don't feel a connection to i don't know like and to any generation like i don't know every generation's got its weird stuff because i mean i I knew a lot of idiots my age and older (laughs) (laughs) there's pretty much idiots in every generation yeah smart people in every generation you know well i meet a lot of amazing people i was dating a woman who's now i mean a a couple last summer i dated someone who's 25 like she's now she's 25 she was 24 at the time you know and, um, I didn't know that she was that young when we met. And by the time I found out, we'd already kind of connected, you know, we hadn't slept together, but it was, there was a connection there that we liked each other. And so, you know, that was, that was weird. I mean, and it was, it was, it was a bizarre feeling like being out with her. Cause she's literally young enough to be my daughter. Like it would have been a young pregnancy, but, but as I say, you've heard me joke about her. I don't know if you knew that she was real. But, you know, uh, it's assumed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I have been having sex sure. longer than she's been alive. Like, that's a real thing. And and so that was just a weird feeling when I was out with her. I, I, I mean, on the one hand, you know, she's beautiful. So it's like that feels good. But I also feel like people must be looking at me like I'm a fucking idiot. You know, like it's got to be obvious. And and I was just self-conscious about it also. Yeah. Um, that was the energy levels like. I don't know. All I want to do when I get home is like do nothing. I couldn't imagine like a 20 something. I was like, come on, let's go out. I'd be like, yeah, I don't want to do that. Well, she's, um, let's see. Her lifestyle is old for her age. I mean, she has a couple of kids and she, you know, she had kids young and, and, um, so she does party, but we didn't party particularly, you know, I mean, she's, she's also a mom, you know, that's okay. why I thought she was older. <clears throat> that ages people. Yeah, it does. <laughs> it does. Yeah. Quick. Yeah. yeah. It, it gave her, um, it gives her, a, an element of maturity that wouldn't necessarily be there in someone her age who didn't have kids, but she simultaneously has that other side of her who just wants to cut loose and party in ways that I just don't do anymore. And I'm not sure I ever fully did, you know, mm-hmm. uh, um, you know, and that's like a different thing too. I mean, that's generation. There's people who party in every generation. That's for sure. I don't know. It's just different now. You know, it's just different, um, Yeah. but she's not into drugs or anything like that. Just, just likes to drink, but I barely do that stuff. You know, I like have to go out of my way to drink at this point. Yeah. Same here. Well, with the open mic, that's about it. That's what, yeah, that's your, that's, <laughs> that's your my time. one weakness. I don't even want to drink on the weekends, you know? I just want to do nothing, really. Yeah. That's my 
You get home, just want to do nothing. Oh, well, you got to be sober imagine. enough to survive. You don't want to go to band practice with, with, a, <clears throat> with a hangover. That's not going to be survivable. No, no. I mean, I'll start drinking at band practice. <laughs> well, yeah, but you're not going to have a headache. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's the issue. <laughs> no, nah, I'm just dropping them off. Just dropping them off. How long have you been running this comedy mic that we do every week? You know, I don't remember. It's got to be like six or seven years. Yeah. Yeah. Like six or seven years. Can you tell years. me the history of it? Because I only, you know, kind of jumped into this fast moving Asheville comedy river scene. What do you like? A couple of years the ago. The Asheville comedy scene or the open mic or? Well, the, well, I, I mean, the whole thing. I mean, I'm fascinated <clears throat> by the history of the Asheville comedy scene and. and well, um, let's see. I, uh, I, I started with Tom Sheave and we used to write for the Asheville Disclaimer. Okay. And I think Tom still does. Um, I haven't in a while, but, uh, he was like, Hey man, I'm going to do a comedy open mic. And I was like, all right, cool. So I went with him, and it was tomato Tuesday at the new French bar. I think it was called. Okay. It's where white duck taco is now. Oh, okay. And, yeah. uh, it was tomato Tuesday and you'd have a gong and a light and Andrew worldwide was the host and uh, you would tell him how long you're going to do. So you, I'm going to do like five minutes. And then halfway through your set, a light would come on. And if the crowd did not like your comedy, they would throw a tomato at the gong and you'd have to leave the stage. Wow. And uh, so that's, I went there. I watched Tom do it a couple of times. And I met Charlie Grinzer, who runs Laugh Your Asheville Off. And then Eric Yoder from the Yoders, the booking family, he'd right. be hanging out in the back, uh, scowling. And uh, <laughs> that's why I met all those guys. And uh, then I, I went up there and did my first time. Michelle Sheeve was there and uh, sucked for for a while. Yeah. How, how, so you got gonged? Well, the first night I did it twice because there weren't that many comedians. Okay. I mean, there may have been like five comedians that night. And so this both times I did pretty well, I guess, but it was like because the crowd knew that it was my first time and right. I was excited. And the second time I, I went up, like the next week, before the light even came on, I hear this guy yell out, why don't you tell a fucking joke? I hear that. <laughs> and... uh yeah, that derailed me. And then the minute the light came on, that same guy chunked a tomato and I had to get off. And uh, yeah, it was soul soul crushing, which I think is very important. It's good to have that. And uh, and then, you know, I continued and got better. And then I met Becca and Petey and Art. And then I went down to Greenville. This is all within like six months. I met... Nick Shaheen and Charlie Gray and Tom Emmons. Right. They had their scene pretty much started the same time ours did. And then Nick Shaheen put me on my first show at the G spot. And then, uh, yeah, that I can't remember how long that lasted. And then Tom and I started the open mic. It was Tom's idea at uh, the hangar, which was a hotel out by the airport uh -huh. on Sunday nights. It was the stupidest night and idea. It was horrible. Um, <laughs> I mean, who's going to be there? Just 
businessman? Or well, not even that. No, like Sunday, it was a business hotel. So the people showed up Monday oh, right. and left Friday. So, so there was no there. one there. Oh, no, no one there. All. Yeah. And uh, I mean, we do comedy to six people. The manager of the bar, his name was Creature. <laughs> and the bartender's name was Diamond. And uh, I remember the manager came up and asked us if we were going to mind our cuss words. And Tom just was like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, we're not going to mind it. He's like, I know, we're not. I know, I know. So, yeah. And then, you know, I think Katie Hughes was around and uh, Chris Weathers. They would show up. And then uh, Joe Zimmerman was living here for a while. Oh, wow. And then we went from the hangar to Athena's. And then we went from Athena's to the Southern. And then we've been at the Southern. And it's been, you know, growing and or steady since then i mean it's the best i think it's the best mic in town it's like you got the most people that show up it's pretty consistent i mean once in a while it goes off the rails but yeah it does go off the rails yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but as far as like an audience i mean it's got a, it's got the most it's in a good location yeah and it's been around for a while so people know about it yeah and make yeah. a habit of coming out and there's enough people that regularly come out that if they don't show up, then another group that regularly comes out will show up. Right. You know, there's enough. And, you know, and we've gone through like tons of open mics. Like the auditorium rocks. And I'm glad it's around and Hillary's show yeah. on Sunday is around. But I mean, like Jason Webb had an open mic and oh, really? there was an open mic at a coffee shop, an open mic at behind a gas station. Yeah. It's got to be at least like 30 open mics that have that have come and gone. Come and gone, yeah. Uh, Which I love. I love the new open mics. I love them when they're just in weird places. The one behind the gas station was on the back of a truck. <laughs> was it a truck? It was like a van. No, it was a van that they cut the back of the van off. And that was the stage? That was the stage, and they would have fires in like trash cans. That was That's awesome. so Asheville. Oh, I loved it. That's perfect. At one point, I mean, I now have my monthly showcase that I do, but yeah, awesome. um, which is a really fun show. Last night was really interesting. We we uh, it was the first time an audience member asked a question that led to the kind of conversation that I've been wanting to have on that stage since I started this show. What like, was the question? Yeah, the guy said, "Is there ever like material that you want to do, but you feel like you can't do it, or is you know how do you deal with like?" you know, those kinds of touchy issues, those, those, that kind of stuff that you want to talk about and can't, you know, and we all answered it differently. And then apparently none of us actually answered his question. We all talked about, you know, our perspectives on what comedy is and isn't and how we, and it was in, it was in the context of provocative material, but it, I don't know. It was just a fascinating conversation. We had five people on stage who all had, you know, compatible, but also different perspectives on it. And it was just really neat. It was like a real conversation and discussion. And, and by that time, it was the end of the night and the room was thinning out. But it was the people that were there were totally glued to the conversation and really into it and listening. And it was, I don't know, it was like everything I've wanted that show to be. It happened. Oh, good, I mean, man. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, it was really cool. I mean, and, and simultaneously, as far as like, like I had my worst, I would say my worst performance yet on that show. And... I changed the like stand up. Yeah. Yeah. I just, it, right. it was the people, there were people, um, there was a table right outside the door and there was like 10 of them. 
and they were super loud. I could not hear myself over them, although everybody, most people in the room could hear me because the speakers were louder than they were. But from where I was on the stage, they were all I could hear, and I couldn't get them to shut up, you know. And I'm not, a, the venue like doesn't like me to be rude to their patrons. <laughs> I'm kind of like, well, yeah, but you're supposed to protect my show. Like, yeah, you, you, you got to find that balance. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's and my, they, it's my job to make sure that my comics well, have a good if stage. They're going to let you have a show. Like they got to help, yeah. you know, and if they're not going to help, then maybe you need to find another venue, you know, like, cause you're going to need help keeping people in line, yeah. you know, how do you deal with that at the Southern? I mean, you, it happens all it's the time. It's tough, you know, like. I don't want to be a dick and I know people are there to have fun. And I also feel it's the comedians like job and chance to learn how to deal with it on their own. You know, like you should learn to capture people's attention, you know? Um, but at the same time, there's a line where it doesn't matter how good you are. These people are just dicks and they're just going to talk. And I usually do the drive by shushing, (laughs) <laughs> That's amazingly effective. Well, how do you- like I'll just walk by just going shh and I get like dirty looks and stuff, but people stop. And then occasionally they won't stop and then it'll fall to the host. Usually like the host will try a couple of times and if they don't, um, we'll speak to them directly. And I've done that. And then if they're dicks or they won't shut up, then Vante will ask them to leave, you know, but yeah. it, I don't know if he's, he's only done that for people that are just completely out of their minds, hammered, you know, that, and you can tell immediately they'll walk right in and be like, yeah, you know, like, oh, that guy's going to be out of here in a second. (laughs) (laughs) And it's happened. Vontae's awesome. Yeah. He's a great guy. Yeah. Like he handles the situation. Like when Blaine got attacked by what's, there's some guy, some random dude, we were doing a show and. He just walks up and starts wrestling Blaine. And really? uh, yeah, and I was like, is this a part of the show? Like, I don't. <laughs> and then I looked and I could tell by Blaine's expression that this was not a part of the show. And the guy, like, Blaine's trying to, like, was fighting with this guy to stay on his feet. And then Vontae just walked up and just enveloped this guy. And then he was just vanished. He was just gone. Oh, wow. And I was like, holy crap. Yeah. <laughs> Vontae nice. is not messing around, yeah. man. He's a badass. Dude. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so and the, and sweet. He's the awesome. He's so awesome. Yeah, yeah. He's a really. He's been good doing guy. comedy too, which is great. I know. I love it when he does comedy. He's yeah, he'll go. Very, he'll go last, you know, and uh, just get up there and sit down. And he's good. I want him to keep doing it. But you need support from the venue, really, because you know if the venue promotes this atmosphere of like it's okay to talk. And you're limited in, in how you can deal with an audience. Um, your show is going to suck because yeah. you're just going to have people talking all the time. You know, I'm very picky about my venues. Like, I feel a show needs to be a conscious decision. You got to move to another room because if you just set up in a bar where everyone's hanging out, right? And they're like, "No, it's a show. Everybody, shut up." They're just like, "Fuck you, dude." I'm yeah. like, you know, and I don't blame them. You know? Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. Well, I feel like I I learned some stuff. Like I really genuinely learned something every show. And last night, what I learned was um, we always pull tables from outside and put them in the front of the room. We're going to pull all the table. I'm going to make this request. 
pull all the tables from outside this garage door area where people are seated outside and it always becomes a problem. I don't want any tables there. Yeah. Those tables come inside. If people want to be there, there's a whole other outside. That's the thing. Like there's a whole other part of the bar where they can make as much noise as they want. Can you and shut? Hear them. <clears throat> Is it the same place that I did it? Yeah. Can you shut that? Not can right you now separate? it's too hot. Eh. You know? And then there's no way to get to those people. And, and you know, the thing about these idiots is they want to hear the comedy. Like, they feel like, oh, we, w- we want to be a part of it, you know? We just also want to have a conversation at the top of our lungs. Yeah, you can't do that. Yeah, unless, yeah. like, that's not going to work. I equate it to, like, if a band was playing and the crowd set up their own band and just started playing while the band was playing, you know? It's, right. It's the same instrument. Yeah. You know, and you can't do that. You have to shut up and listen or get out, you yeah. know? So, yeah. well, I'm gonna it's a it. weird art form, you yeah. know? It's... It's not like an acoustic guy sitting in the corner and everyone can like talk and mingle. Like when you're doing comedy, people need to shut the hell up. Yeah. Or not be in there. And I would go for a smaller crowd anytime than a talkative large crowd. Oh, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's just uh, the problem of running shows, man. Yeah. Well, it's been (laughs) great. You know, no, I, you know what? I really, overall, I really enjoy it. I feel like I'm getting better at it. Um, my shows, I mean, people comment like this is a really well-produced show. Like it's pretty tight. Yeah. You know, um, I mean, I send people this monstrosity. I saw that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I've tried to divide it up. I'll admit that I, I didn't read that. You didn't read (laughs) it? I was like, holy crap. And then like I skimmed through it. I'm like, I get the general idea. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the reason I do it is like, and this is the thing I realized in in this last week, uh, comedians, are not interested in taking direction. Otherwise they'd be actors. And it's like comedians, the whole, it's like the sort of lone ranger attitude of like, if I, I do comedy cause I want to do what I want to do as opposed to being a part of something where you'd have to take direction to make the whole thing work. And my shows are more of a group effort than they are just a string of people getting up and doing their own thing like you get a chance to do your thing but you're also on stage you're part of a discussion you're visible the whole time like you and you need to be a part of the show and last night you know i give people that instruction pretty clearly but usually like in you and hillary are a perfect example like i was trying to give everyone what's doing you guys are making jokes like fucking with each i'm like you're not listening to me at all like i'm gonna have to separate (laughs) you two you know and it was you need like two rules for comedians that's all they can handle and be like just be here on time and like i don't know one other rule i guess so well i'm and And then they'll be okay and then they'll they'll do one of those rules right well, I figure that's why I give them 20 rules. And like, if they do 10 of them, I'm fine. They can't remember. Like, they will do night, 10. I will do one. They'll still do one. <laughs> they were there on time. That's your one thing. <laughs> but if you add, it. like, don't cuss, they'll cuss, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. They're like kids. It's like children, you yeah. know? Well, you were there when Hillary was there. It's like, she's like, she was being really good for a while. And then she called someone a cunt. And then she turned to me. She's like, Am I not allowed to say cunt? I know I'm not allowed to say fuck, but is cunt a problem? <laughs> I'm just like, are you kidding me right now? Like, that's totally worse. <laughs> yeah, that's what you going to get, dude. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, no, it was good. I mean, actually, that event sparked the owner to come up with me to me after. He said, look, as long as there's no kids here, I don't mind your guys cutting loose a little bit. Like, I'm not trying to restrict you. We just don't want people to feel uncomfortable. And so now, like, 
last night Blair was dropping f bombs left, right, and center. Like she doesn't know how to not do it. Yeah. And then she's like, "Oh, I'm sorry, I forgot. This is a clean show. I didn't realize it." I'm like, "Okay, no one else did that, you know." <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but she's also so damn funny and charming. Yeah, like she, she is. She's awesome. She's really she's really remarkable. Yeah, um, she's. I don't know. I think she's going to be in Asheville a lot now. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like it. She's been coming here more. Yeah. So I love it. Um, I mean, she was, I had my headliner cancel last night because he lives in Charlotte and he sent me a message at 4 PM and it said, he's like, Jason, I didn't realize how far away Asheville was from Charlotte. I got to get my kids and drop them off. And by the time I get there, it'll be 10 o'clock at night. I'm like, I booked you a month ago. (laughs) (laughs) Like you didn't look at a map between now and then, you know? Wow. Yeah. And, uh, but I mean, I didn't, you know, what am I gonna do? I like the guy and I'm not going to make his, there's nothing he can do. So I'm not going to yell at him. What do I care? You know? Yeah. Like, so I just called Blair. I was like, are you still in town by any chance? She's like, yeah. I'm like, can you do my show? And so she showed up and she rocked it. That's why I love comedians, man. They'll like hop on a show in a second. Yeah. 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 It's true. I was booking something for an author and like, I reached out to like storytellers and because he wanted comedy during the thing and uh, I got Blaine to be on it. He was like, yeah, I'll do it during his book signing. I don't know if I said that. And uh, I reached out to storytellers through all these connections and finally found one. And then I forgot to reach out again for like two or three days. And then I was like, can you do this show? And she's like, I, you know, there's only a week. I don't have time to prepare. And I was like, what? <laughs> you need a week? And so I called Tom Emmons and he's like, yeah, I can do it. I was like, I love comedians, man. Yeah. They're just like, whatever, I'll do it. You yeah. need me in there in 20 minutes? I'm there. Yeah, I'm an hour away. I can make it happen. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. Yeah, it's true. I mean, and we're always ready. I mean, we've always got five minutes in our pocket that we can do, you know, yeah. like, especially for an audience that hasn't seen us. Like, that's easy. Yeah. They'll just hop right on it. It's yeah. awesome. Yeah, it's true. No, I love it. I've really been enjoying it. And um, I've been feeling, you know, kind of finally more at home in the Asheville comedy scene. Like, it's a tough little scene. Is it? Really? Yeah. yeah. I don't think you feel it because you're as old guard as old guard gets. So you've been in it the whole time. I mean, you're genuinely nice, open and happy to see new people. Yeah. You know? Our scene depends on it. You yeah. know, like we need new people. Yeah. We're shedding comics all the time. Everyone goes off to greener pastures, you know? How do they LA, do New York? Well, I don't know. Like, it's hard to tell because I think it takes time to move to a new scene and get situated, you know? Yeah. Like, you move to New York, you start on the ground level, Yeah. you know? So, I think of all the people we've left or that have left us, they're getting their footing, you know, like Jason's out in LA, he's gotten a show and, you know, you know, Minori's just moved. I'm sure she's going to hit the ground running in New York and Becca and Herbie are up yeah. in New York. And I don't know. I I do think when you move to a big scene, it, you take a hit and I don't know. Some people have moved and I don't hear of them doing comedy at all anymore, right. you know, yeah. but it may just be that I don't talk to them or see them and. You know, they're struggling yeah. doing the, the open mics and stuff, you know. Tell me about Jason's show. What's he doing? Uh, It's called Follow This. And I think they show like really sad videos from uh, the Internet. And uh-huh. then you have to go do comedy after that. Like <laughs> just like, I guess, like kids dying or something. I don't really know. But they have 
pretty big names on oh, really? the show. Uh, yeah. And it's his show? He organized it? Like it's him and some other guy, and they do it at Nerd Melt or something. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, it seems really cool. cool. Oh, that's Yeah, totally I'd love cool. to go out there and see it. Yeah. Well, next time I'm out there, maybe he'll let me get on it. I don't know if I'm a big enough name. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how it works. But uh, yeah, I connected with him when I was in LA last time. It was nice. Um, he's a really good guy. Uh, he's someone I had I couldn't get a sense of when I when he was here. Yeah, I don't think most you know? people. Um, but when I saw <laughs> him in LA, Jason he Jason. was when I saw him in LA, he was great. You know, he was Jason like, is nice. Yeah, yeah, he's good. Yeah, it was really cool. It was nice to connect with him because he's smart and he's a fantastic comic and he's obviously really into this. You know. Yeah, he's uh, yeah he's a double edged sword. Yeah, what's the other edge? <laughs> it's Jason. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Jason was good. He brought a lot of a lot of energy. Yeah. <laughs> he did his devil's boyfriend show here. And that was weird. But uh yeah, he was good. Yeah. How's Cody doing in Atlanta and stuff? No idea. No idea. Yeah. Nah. I see Katie a lot. She seems to be I mean, I don't see her a lot, but I see her on Facebook being on shows and stuff. So She's very funny. Oh, she's awesome. Yeah. 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 She's and really, Chris Weathers. Yeah, he's great too. Yeah. He's, he's such an He's like one of my favorite comedians really ever. yeah I mean, he's just yeah he gets up there just says crap and like i don't know it's just so funny just the way he, he just like handles himself the stage too like it's yeah. like, not in a bad way he's not he's not violently destructive he just slowly like disassembles the entire stage and leaves it like that at the end it's and awesome. it's always yeah. funny yeah yeah i mean i saw him at the auditorium when he left the mic was literally hanging from the rafters <laughs> and i don't think cody was tall enough to get it down you know it's like one of those situations um that yeah, was really funny it was uh yeah he's great yeah they, how long have they been together do you know since the beginning of time yeah. i don't know they're from here since i have ever known them okay which is like I don't know, seven, eight years ago. I can't remember. Nine years ago. That's it's been cool. a while. Yeah. yeah, they were they were more. I always put them more in Greenville. I guess because Chris is, was from Greenville. Okay, yeah. and she's from Hendersonville, so that's happening. Yeah, Greenville. Yeah, or feels like it is anyway. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's cool, man. I mean, I I uh, I love the Southern. You know, it's really um, it's become something I. I'm sad when I miss it, you know, like I try to come, I have my child every other week. So yeah. And travel and it's like, it's hard. Yeah. But whenever I get there, it's just, it's just, uh, it's become like a little bit of a coming home feeling like I'm, it's, well, good. it's a cool, really, man. yeah, no, it's really cool. And I like hosting it. I'm glad that I get to host it every now and then. I loved running the music that one night. That was really yeah. fun. Like, I, I don't think I was good at it, but it's not. No, it takes a while. Yeah. That's you a know, like I miss cues, forget to turn on the lights. Then I'll press play on a song that has a really low, slow intro. <laughs> and then by the time I'm turning it down, it kicks in. Yeah, I do stuff wrong all the time. Yeah. Yeah, it's a part of the whole process. It's an art form. Nick yeah. is actually really good at running Oh, uh, Nick's like the technical dude. Yeah. To the point where I'm getting lazy now. I'm just like, Nick will handle it. I'll just, you know. And then when Nick's not there, I don't know what to do. Like, I don't know how to set anything up. That's yeah, fun. it's been a good room. It's been fun. Yeah, it's great, man. Um... I haven't seen Tom around in a while, though. I guess he just did like an hour somewhere recently. He seemed he did something. I don't know. Yeah. I haven't talked to him in yeah, a while. I miss, yeah, I love that guy. Um, I was trying to connect with him. He's like, do you play ping pong? I'm like, if you're looking someone to beat, yeah. You know, like <laughs> I could play ping pong with you. He's like, that sounds perfect. <laughs> 
Is that his thing? He's really into ping pong now? Yeah, that's what he's into. He's like, I'm really getting into ping pong, which is like... That's awesome. Yeah, but like 10 years ago, ping pong was all the rage in LA. Like people were having their own ping pong rooms and stuff like that. And like, Really? Yeah, it was crazy. It was on Entourage. That's how you know it's big is when it's on Entourage, which is off the air. So you never know anymore what's big. But, uh, you know, if it was on Entourage, it was a thing. Okay. Um, did you ever watch that show? I, nah, just a couple episodes. Oh, man. So good. I mean, it was good. I just yeah. didn't really have time Who to time, devote. Dude? Yeah. But if you ever... I mean, I'm from LA, so it was in a very bizarre and unhealthy way, like, you know, like visiting home for me. Yeah. And I just... Um, it was like everything I hated about LA, that's what that show was about. And it made me feel nostalgic to watch it. Like, oh, all the stuff I hate. I love this show. <laughs> <laughs> that was my relationship with it. But anyway, Tom, yeah, he wants to play ping pong. And I want to do this. Yeah, podcast. I'll play ping pong. Tom's listening. I'll play your ass in ping pong. Yeah. Are you good? No. Okay. But <laughs> I can lose with enthusiasm. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think what I want to do is I want to set up a mic and I want to do my podcast with Tom playing ping pong. Like, I think I want that to be the podcast. All right. That sounds perfect. Yeah. yeah. That'd be really fun. Yeah. So man, I'll hit him up. Yeah. See what his ping pong game's like. He's yeah, tall. Man. He's probably got a good reach. I know, man. He's probably, you know, my, I, I mean, I've played when I was young, but. My cousins had a ping pong table in their basement. Like they were, te- they're big tennis players and ping pong. And so I would go and, you know, at one point I could hold my own with my cousin. And then the next year I couldn't go, I couldn't touch him. Like he was fucking crushing me every time. It was just brutal. Yeah. Um, and he wasn't even trying to beat me that badly. I think he was trying to make it. He's a nice guy. So I think he was trying to make it feel like a game, but I still wouldn't score enough points. Like it was the, the, the score was always pretty demoralizing. Yeah. But. Um, but almost like not demoralizing enough that I would play another game. <laughs> like he knows just how much to beat me by, to keep me hopeful. Yeah, and, uh, and to keep playing. You know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm like I can play foosball. Oh really? I'm I can destroy terrible. people in foosball, and I'll destroy them less, so they'll just keep playing with me. <laughs> yeah. You know? And then I'll meet some person that just is on a whole nother level. Like I can beat most people, but then I meet these like godlike foosball players. I, I played against this Greek guy that was like in his seventies, and I mean he like bent time and space. I don't understand. <laughs> I mean he destroyed me the way I would destroy other people, and I'm like I don't. What are you doing? <laughs> it was amazing. Yeah. How did you have time to get so good at foosball? I was a child. Like oh, okay. yeah, I just played when I was a kid a lot. Okay. And I got pretty good at it, and then uh, I don't know. It just stuck with me, so I'll play occasionally. Yeah, I'm yeah. terrible at foosball. I love foosball. Yeah, it's a cool game. I'm just, I'm just like not good at it. I'm always spinning the guys the wrong way, and yeah, and all that. I don't. You can't spin. Oh, that's there's part no of it. spinning. No spinning. Yeah, you that's gotta bad. Just, just you gotta touch. do it. Yeah. Well, I don't mean like spinning like fast. I'm just. Well, some I, people just crank it. They just sit there the whole time, like yeah, spinning and spinning. Right, and yeah. Then I ruin them. Like, yeah, you can't spin. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah, you can't do that. Is that a rule that you're not supposed to spin? Yeah, or? you can't. I mean, yeah, you're not supposed to spin. Yeah. Oh. Like, if you were to watch professional, I guess, if that's a thing, foosball, <laughs> they're not spinning. Yeah. Well, that's But they're cranking the hell out of the ball, though. Well, it's probably because it's not good to spin. Like, it's probably actually you don't have as much control over the ball, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, it's not even, I don't know. You just kind of, I don't know. It's not even really playing. You're just sitting there spinning things around without much <laughs> thought, you know? I don't know. That's only if you want to get all nerdy about. I I do. I want to understand foosball, man. Well, that's really about it. Don't spin. Don't, okay, now, now <laughs> Don't I understand. <laughs> Don't stick your hand in there. Don't spin. 
That's so about it. Have you, as a comedian and, and foosball player, have you... Combine the two? Yeah. <laughs> of course. Or is this the first Of one? course. <laughs> I'm so glad you asked that. That um, would be an interesting act. You and somebody else up there playing and like doing, you know, doing comedy <laughs> while you're playing foosball. No, have you, as a comedian, have you been, uh, I mean, you talked about other people kind of leaving the scene and going to what you described as greener pastures. Actually, if you're going to be doing open mic stuff, this is the best pasture Asheville's the best because we have audiences show up for open mics as opposed to yeah. Other places I mean that's go. great if you want to go to a good open mic. Yeah, but no, obviously there's more to it than that. Yeah. Um, have you toured? And I mean, what's your desire from comedy? Do you want to be a pro professional? Comedian? Uh, you know, I don't really know. I uh, I have a family, and I'm kind of I can't tour. You know, I'll do. I go to Charlotte and Knoxville and Greenville, and Columbia. You know, I'll go to places around, but. You know, I can't be like a 20 year old and hit the road, I know. you know, so, um, and actually the amount of times I can perform are very limited. So, you know, I don't know right now, I'm just trying to get better through what limited stage time I can have. And I'm just trying to constantly write and get on, you know, I don't even really care about doing a ton of shows. I just would like to get on good shows and uh, just really hone down a set is all I want right now. I have no ambitions for anything else. Did you just go to Greenville to like, on Thursday? I did go to Greenville to the joke show. Right. How was that? It was good. It wasn't the most well-attended show, but the crowd there was good, you know. And How, how many people were there, would you say? 15 to 20. Oh, really? Maybe? So it was on the light side. Yeah. And it's such a huge room. It's a big room. Yeah. yeah. But it was fun. And like... Uh, I don't know. I just like meeting new people. There's a comic. Is his name Deshaun from Charlotte? I can't remember. He was there. He was good. And to see like uh, Brandon Rainwater was there and Tom Emmons. And I hadn't seen Tom in ages. So, yeah. So, I I mean, I like to get out. I get tired of performing in Asheville. So, I like to. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. In fact, I don't even really want to anymore. (laughs) Like, I just want to do an open mic on the sly and then go off and do some shows somewhere else. When you say you don't want to perform in Asheville, do you mean actual shows or do you include the open mic? Yeah, I don't really. Yeah, I don't really, you know, actual shows. You know, like, I'll do. For the amount of shows that I do, I don't really. I'm not on them very much. You know, I don't want to be really yeah. I just want to work on my stuff on the sly you know and then go off somewhere do some comedy yeah but I don't even really get to do that but I don't know that's my goal I don't even know if that's I don't know I'm just hanging out really yeah. well I was, just, I was just curious I mean you're I mean you're good enough you could be out there doing it like you know you have well, a, you have it. a large enough body of solid material when you say you're trying to work on your set how long is that set well by set i just meant my material really like i'm never happy with it and you know i just want to just write better and better sets right you know but you I'm, I'm actually more worried about material than stage time mainly because i can't get much you know i don't have the ability to go out and get a lot of stage time right now so you know i'll uh just kind of work on honing my old jokes and writing new jokes and that's really all i'm doing right now well i guess i was just curious when you said set are you like is that a five minute set a feature set a headlining set like what is so that when you would if if you got that set where you wanted it what would that set be and what kind of opportunities would you be pursuing um 
I focus on like, I guess bits for lack of a better term, you know, I, uh, I'll have this idea and I'll focus on writing that as best as I could and honing that as best as I could. And then add that to whatever time set I have, whether it's five, 15, 30, you okay. know? And so, you know, at an open mic with a five minute set, I'll just work on one little bit. Sometimes I'll sandwich it between two bits. I know that work and then throw this bit out there. And then once I get enough bits that I like, I will, you know, change it for whatever time I'm doing, you know, like I don't have like, I'm not like working on a 30 minute set or anything. I mean, I guess overall I am working on trying right. to get as, as long as I can, but it's really just working on individual jokes. So you're not, when you build a set, you're not trying to link it all together necessarily. You're not, there's not necessarily an arc for you. No. callbacks and stuff like that you're just you're you're building yeah. you're building like a, a stack yeah jokes. yeah and then i will see threads that run through of course right. and then i'll stitch them together for right. like a 20 30 minute bit or, or set yeah. yeah yeah i mean it's it's that's been interesting i mean i have i've i always try to structure my set whether it's a five minute set or a 15 minute set i try to make the whole thing flow together and i remember one of the first times that i really did that was when uh, your open mic was happening at that other bar. Remember? Oh yeah, the one stop. Yeah, yeah, the one stop. And when I came off stage, you were like, "That was really tight, Jason. Like you, you know, you that was different, and it was cool. It was like I was like, oh, thank. You. I actually like that was on purpose. Like I mean, <laughs> that I, I mean that I had that I had strung it together. That I that I created an arc with stuff that you'd seen me do, but each bit was like you know refined a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. Um, and then ever since then, I've been like, okay, every with most with some exceptions, every time I go on stage, I'm trying to do a set, not trying to do a bunch of bits. Like, and so, uh, and then it's really interesting to mix and match because I also, I don't want to just do the same set every time. So then it's, you know, the beginning and the end of a bit might change because of the bit that I'm now putting in front of or in back of it. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes like, oh, that's actually a better bit now connected to this other joke than it was, you know, where it used to live. Yeah. Um, and and I have this, the you know, the my whole sort of lice joke that I do with my daughter gets yeah, lice, right? Yeah, I like that bit, yeah. And um, <laughs> I got on stage, you're like, anyone wants to talk to Jason after the show, he has lice. <laughs> <laughs> Coming so here funny. and infecting people, <laughs> dude. We've dealt with the lice. That's not a joke. Oh, it's not. Uh, that's, it's horrible. Not a, it's, that's yeah. the beauty of being bald, though. My kids will have lice, and I'll be like, "Nah, don't have to worry <laughs> it's about not it." My problem. <laughs> of course, you. Nothing still, lives in this. The scalp. hair that you have is the place where the lice tend to nest. So yeah, you're, you're actually not as immune. I have as never had like lice. Okay, well, my kids good. have had it. My wife's had it. Oh yeah, it's, not me. Yeah. No, my daughter's had it a bunch of times. It's, you know. Um, it's funny. Well, I've been, I've been, you know, that, that whole joke has really two sections to it. And the second section, was the original joke and I built into it with a whole lice bit. And the second set, I, I have to be careful where I, where I tell it because it just gets into some elements that first of all, the crowd kind of turns on me by design throughout the joke. And, um, and I'm prepared for that cause I know where I'm headed. So I'm patient. Like I'm not worried about it. But I've been trying to build up that front section so I can do it anywhere. 
And so now, now what you heard been hearing me do lately is just the front half, and I can do that anywhere because it's not offensive to anybody. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, but now the whole thing where I'm seeing, you know, lice and STD for kids, that section is growing. You know, like I came up with all this new stuff around that. So now I'm like, really, the audience is really exploring this idea of like, of adultizing a child with how to deal with this child. Yeah, no, STD that's a good that take have, on that. You yeah. know, and, and so now I make my daughter, I used to be like, you yeah, I have to call the parents. Now I'm like, I made my daughter call all the parents. Play dates from the weekend before and tell the parents that now not only does she have lice, but she probably got it from one of their children, you know, and it's just like, I like what I'm, what I'm realizing about myself for better or worse is as a comedian, I like to get into the, uh, the heinousness of how uncomfortable people are feeling Mm -hmm. and then kind of see you know, I I I mean, of course, I want to bring them back from that place at the end. Yeah, but yeah, I absolutely. like I like just making them just I like watching them crawl in their seats of just being so physically uncomfortable. You know, but if you bring it back in a good way, then they love you for it. They they like yeah. As long as you end on a good note, you can take them on a journey anywhere. You yeah. Know? yeah, yeah, yeah. My dog bit does that too. Like that was the first time I was like, people were just. Um, you know, and I watch them. They're just like, oh, God, you know, there's always somebody who's burying their head in their hands. And the other night when I did it at the Pride show, it was these women who had they were kind of heckling. And, you know, at one point they were having a it was right after the break. They were having a full conversation in the front row. And I called them out. I'm like, hey, you guys can't have a conversation right now. You know, and I was getting to like it looked like I might actually go like, you know, kind of. uh crazy jason on him you know that how did you do like you did that at the southern oh my god dude that was hilarious (laughs) then i love blaine he will turn this open mic around (laughs) (laughs) what was that about what was going on before i got up there was (laughs) i I don't i don't remember okay i just know that there were people in the corner talking the whole time like yeah full conversation level yeah one guy when i when i noticed that guy was on his phone that put me over the edge i was like (laughs) And I had just said, you know, I'm like from New York and L.A., so I have both attitude problems, which is supposed to be a joke. But then I exemplified it. Like, I was like, are you fucking kidding me right now? Like, you're on your phone. <laughs> oh, man. <clears throat> yeah, we got to reserve those sofas in the back because if the crowds get in there, they're for yeah. the comedians. But if the crowds get in there, they feel disconnected from the show. Right. And they just talk oh yeah. it's the worst yeah well maybe there should be signs on there we do we just forgot it then oh okay oh i see okay got <laughs> yeah, it it was our fault it was yeah. we're why you had a bad set jason <laughs> yeah it was a rough, it was a rough set <laughs> i didn't care though like i don't you know the nice thing now is that i have other opportunities you know to perform so i don't look at the open mics as my only chance to get on stage anymore. yeah that's important i feel that's very important that you don't build up to like one night, you know, like, yeah. this, you know, you need like a ton of nights. So when you eat it and you'll be like, whatever, I got a show next week, you know, or next tomorrow or tomorrow. Yeah. Or yeah whatever. That's what yeah. I meant. Yeah. Right. So if you got a bunch of shows, it takes the pressure off and you, you get a rhythm going. Yeah. yeah. That's the problem with not performing much is you build up to yeah. one night. Yeah. Like this is my night. And then you eat crap and you're like, all right, that was it until <laughs> next week. Yeah. 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 It really is building up again. So, uh, what do you think, and I know we gotta, we gotta wrap up soon, uh, which is fine and unfortunate cause I'm having a really good time. What do you feel like Asheville 
needs the comedy scene like what do we what do we need to take the Asheville comedy scene to the next level I mean anything or what would you like to see happen here I don't know we have everything here really to be honest we've got small open mics where you can mess around and you got like maybe the bigger open mics like Southern Auditorium you know and then you've got the smaller shows like what we put on with you know, basically features that could headliner headline. So you can do like good sets and there's not that much pressure, but it's still a legitimate show. And then you've got uh, the occasional one-off show from some random person that you can hop on. You've got the Yoders bringing in headliner, like super headliners. And if you can hook up with them, you can get on their show. And then you've got the orange peel where you can hook up with nationally touring headliners. Like we really have everything here that we need and I don't even care that we don't have a comedy club, to be honest, you know, like we don't need a comedy club, uh, you know, maybe that's the thing if we had a comedy club, but we seem to have a good enough scene without one, you know, I'm all about getting in new people and helping them get better and giving them the opportunities to get better. And I just view us as a comedian transient town, like come here get good, then go off. And as long as we have a continual flow of people doing that, you know, we'll, we'll just know a ton of comedians in different parts of the country that we have a history with and can help us. And, you know, there's really not much that I think needs to happen. It's just continue to do what we do, really. All right, we did it. My interview with Carrie Goff. I hope you enjoyed it. I really love that guy. I love how much he gives to the community and how much I can imagine he gives to all communities. He's just a really solid, caring person. And uh, I'm going to, there's a little more to the interview. I kind of wanted to end it there because it was a really sweet spot to end, which is what I always like to do. But there's more that I want you to hear. So we get into talking about the future of Asheville Comedy a little bit. Um, so that's what's going to be next. And then after that, there's another little piece. And then after that, I'm going to tell you what I think about it. So stay tuned. Don't go away. This podcast isn't over yet, even though it feels like it. Uh, before I forget, I want to thank my incredible producer, Bruce Sales. He's the guy who makes this thing actually sound good and enjoyable for you. So if you ever need any audio engineering or recording, this guy is capable of writing original music or editing your podcast. He's, his, he's so overqualified for what I have him doing. But uh, he needs. I need someone to do it, and I might as well hire the best. So Bruce Sales in Asheville, he's the guy you want. But don't give him too much work because I need him to stay available for me. All right, so give him just enough to support his family, okay? Do you understand what I'm saying? The right amount of work. All right, don't fuck up my shit. I love you guys. Thank you for tuning in and staying with me. I appreciate it so much. Uh, please... If you haven't already done so, subscribe to the podcast. And if you haven't reviewed or rated the podcast, nothing could be more valuable than that. So please take a minute, go onto iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts, rate, review, five stars if you believe it. It deserves five stars and uh, four stars if you hate it, okay? <laughs> four stars or five stars, those are your two options. All right, uh, that's it, man. Um, well, that's almost it. Enjoy this last little bit with Carrie. Is there something that you're wishing that we had here? Uh, well, I would like to... I mean, I don't want to open a club. 
But I would like Asheville to have a comedy club. I think we're ready. And I I think it would be cool, but it worries me. I don't like consolidated. I don't like the consolidation that like Asheville is a small enough town that that would pretty much be overwhelming. You right. know, like if we're in Atlanta, you can have a comedy club and it's a big enough town. I don't know. Well, I it's guess, a weird. So, I, I mean, I have an inherent distrust and skepticism toward comedy clubs. They're not too interested in the local scene. A lot of times. Sometimes they really are. But I guess it would really depend on the comedy club and who's running it and what their philosophy is. Right. You know, if it's some out of town dude who doesn't care about the local scene, just wants headliners and brings in like, you know, on the road comics that do the same set every, you know, like that kind of scene, it would kind of suck. But if you had people that wanted to help boost the local comedy scene and bring in comedians that we like and admire, that would be super awesome. Right. But I don't, we kind of already have that now, you know, like the Yoders bring in people that are great, you know, like really funny and good that people admire. They're not the schlocky, like, I hate my wife kind of crap you can get at a lot of comedy clubs, you know? It's true. If you go to one of their shows, it's probably going to be good, even without knowing anything about the comic. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like just a comedy club is like a generic thing that people feel like they should have like we should have a comedy club but if you really look at the scene we kind of don't need one we have everything you know we have shows at the gray eagle shows at the orange peel those are huge venues and they bring in big comics you know and it's just a matter you know and if you don't get on the shows the same thing if you had a comedy club there's no guarantee you're going to get on any of those shows you know so it's really kind of the same you know I just, uh, we just need continued energy to keep having shows and keep bringing new people in with their new enthusiasm to just maintain what we have, really, you know? So where do you see your role in the comedy community? Uh, I don't even want a role, (laughs) you know, (laughs) honestly, like... I am tired of running an open mic, but I do it because um, I think it it's good for the scene, mm. you know? And, uh, you know, I've been getting help from, like, Blaine and Nick and Petey and, and pretty much everybody, you know? And if I didn't have that help, that open mic would have died a long time ago. Cause, mm. So, really, I don't want to roll. I just want to help. Uh, create an environment where people can come in and do comedy and you know and you know honestly I'm not I don't want an environment that's all like safe space you know I don't want that I want people like I'll be welcoming but you're gonna have to earn to be funny you know and I don't want to create an environment where I like that the southern can be rough sometimes I think that's good and maybe that's from my days of having tomatoes thrown at a gong but you know I just kind of want to foster that kind of environment of being welcoming, but you've got to earn your stuff so that you get, do become a better comic. And I I would honestly love it if everyone else ran everything else and then I could just show up, do my set and like take off like everyone else does, you know, but I don't know. 
Right now, I'll just run my open mic and do shows. That's what I'm going to do for the, the community. Thank you so much for making time. Hey, man. To come Thanks. Over. Um, it's, it's, uh, I really enjoyed it, man. And I'm, I've enjoyed getting to know you and I love, I love what you reluctantly do for the community. <laughs> no, don't get me wrong. I enjoy it, but I am tired sometimes. Oh, no, I know. I'm yeah. like, man, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, but it's a good experience. And if I didn't do it, I would kind of miss it. So, you know, and you never know when it's all going to end. I'll tell you, man, like venues have a solid run. You never see it coming. And there's like, boom, done. So yeah. I'm like, you know, the Southern's been good. So I'm just going to ride it out you know, and keep doing it. And so far it's been awesome. Do you think so, if, if the Southern died off for you, would you look for another venue or just I like, would, I would be done, be but done. Yeah. I would help other people, you know, I would help other people do it. Yeah. I would promote and show up and stuff. I don't but, see any sign of it dying right now. I mean like, no, the only thing that could happen is like, if you know, they, they have new owners and they, they've had new owners for about a year now. So, but that was the one point where I was like, Holy crap, we could totally lose this, you know? Right. But the new owners have been awesome and very supportive. So as of right now, everything's fine, but it's more of just a philosophy that even though I am tired and don't particularly want to run an open mic, um, I know I'll miss it when it's gone, so I might as well just hit it hard now while it's alive, you know? So I keep coming there every Wednesday, staying there till one in the morning, <laughs> pissing people off by talking in the corner. I <laughs> <laughs> lost interest because I've been there for three hours, but... <laughs> I remember that happening <laughs> once. <laughs> but I actually thought that brought us closer. Like, I really did. I was like, I felt like, you know... Um, you guys were talking and I was like, Hey, you know, and then we fucked with me with a light and I was like, all right, we're friends now. Like that to me is something. Yeah. Friends. I hated you up until that one point. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, man. No, I mean, you're right. We shouldn't talk, but God damn it. We're there every week, man. Oh, you know, I like it. it hit that point it. at yeah. like midnight where you're like, ah, oh. yeah, but we've talked about, it. I was like, man, we got to give these comics have been here all night waiting. And I know that a lot of them are brand new and it's just, excruciating to sit through sometimes and um you're tired but you got to give them the same amount of respect as the middle of the show but it's hard sometimes so we're trying to figure out a way to handle that because it is a long night man yeah. it is a long night and like you know we have plans like give each other breaks so that we can go outside you know That's maybe good. let one of us leave early for the night you know well, that it's, helps it's, now that you're building a bit of a crew and it's not really just dependent on you. Yeah. Yeah, I need a crew. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll awesome. be better. We're going to try. Well, I mean, no guarantees. Enjoy but. band band practice. Yeah, man. All right. Well, thank you so much yeah, for dude, having me, dude. Yeah, it was really a pleasure. And uh, I'll see you on Wednesday. I'm hosting. You're hosting. <laughs> yeah, I'll be there. <laughs> we'll see whether you're talking at the end of the night. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so here's the big reveal. And it's probably not a big deal to you, but it's a pretty big deal to everyone in Asheville. Kerry said that if the Southern closed, he would not start another open mic. He was done. He was exhausted, and he just needed to do something else. But the Southern did close. It closed not that long after we did this interview. And Kerry immediately started looking for a new room, 
and he ultimately landed at a place called the One Stop, which is fantastic. It's got some things that are better than the Southern, some things that aren't as good as the Southern, but the people at the One Stop are fully in support of our show, and there's a lot of things that have been solved. Uh, they have their own sound at the One Stop, and they have a whole room where comics and patrons can go and eat and make noise and not disturb the show. And that is such a huge thing, as you know, because you heard he and I talking about it and joking about it, how, like, by the end of the night at the Southern, you know, everybody's just sick of being there. And meanwhile, the comics who are the new comics and they need the most love and support are having to endure the fact that the hosts and the producers of the show and this audience are just talking and they're sick of comedy. So now, the way they've done it at the One Stop, it's a totally different kind of room. And anyone can find the space they need to do what they want and still feel like they're a part of the show. You can even walk outside and smoke a cigarette and there's speakers outside. You can still hear the show. So we're at the one stop now and I have no idea how long we'll be here or, uh, or what would happen next. But I can tell you that in spite of everything he said and all his threats and promises, Carrie could not bring himself to stop doing the open mic every week it's just a part of who he is and it's a part of Asheville and it's a huge part of the Asheville comedy scene and he knows that and he knows how important it is to everyone and he knows deep down as much as he hates to admit it how important it is to him so we love you Carrie and thank you for your continued amazingness and I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast all right like subscribe donate I love you I'll see you next time